and cause havoc along the lines. If this collaborative plan was successful, Pickett and his mile-wide line of men would smash through that blue-clad front to rout the Yankees and place the future of the Army of the Potomac and the Union itself in dire jeopardy. Three miles east of Gettysburg, down the Hanover Road, legendary Confederate cavalry commander Major General James Ewell Brown, Jeb Stuart, and his 6,000 horsemen, known as the Invincibles, were poised to support Pickett by attacking the Union rear. When the cannon barrage was fired from Gettysburg, Stuart would lead his mounted troops down Crest Ridge on a purposeful ride toward the Yankee lines. Stuart had been a thorn in the side of the North throughout the first two years of the war. As commander of the Army of Northern Virginia's elite cavalry, he had redefined the role of horsemen as an independent arm capable of wreaking havoc upon his enemy, and did not come close to being challenged by the outclassed Union cavalry. His bold raids into enemy territory had disrupted communications and supply lines, gathered vital intelligence, and destroyed millions of dollars' worth of property, in addition to bloodying his enemy at will. His spectacular 1862 ride around McClellan's army had embarrassed the North and instilled confidence in the South's belief that it could prevail. Stuart had been elevated to a lofty position in the hearts of his Southern admirers that rivaled that of a knight of King Arthur's court, and had gained at least grudging respect from his Northern opponents. Now he had been called upon to play a significant role in the pivotal Gettysburg battle. Blocking Stuart's access to the battlefield in support of Pickett was only one brigade of Union cavalry, about 2,300 men. This brigade of Wolverines from Michigan was commanded on the field by 23-year-old Brigadier General George Armstrong Custer, who had been promoted from brevet captain to his present rank only three days earlier. Custer had never before commanded a large unit in combat, having served mainly as an aide-de-camp on the staffs of several generals. Although Custer had personally distinguished himself under fire, he was now placed in the precarious predicament of facing the finest cavalryman and cavalry commander the Confederacy had to offer, with only a small detachment of battle-weary, outnumbered troops at his disposal. History has recorded and analyzed in scrupulous detail virtually every footfall taken by Pickett's men across that open field and the resoluteness of the Union soldiers entrenched along the line on that day. The same cannot be said for this engagement three miles east of Gettysburg. What, if anything, could Custer, the young, inexperienced cavalry officer, devise to stop Stuart's determined troopers from reaching the field and supporting Pickett's charge? With perhaps the destiny of the Union at stake, it was evident to observers that the old cavalry master Stuart was about to teach the upstart Custer a bloody lesson on his way to attacking the Union rear and securing victory for the South. Or, by some miracle or quirk of fate, could this skirmish become the stuff from which legends are born? George Armstrong Custer, known for only one day in his life, the day he died, which has invariably tarnished his entire career, was on the threshold of becoming a legend.